Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We are finishing up a series that we've been spending the last few weeks on. And that is the issue of the judgment of God's imperfect people. Maybe you're new here today and maybe you don't realize that all of us are going to face a future judgment. Now, it's not a judgment of, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, of whether or not you're going to go to hell or not. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of us are going to face a judgment at some point. We're going to be facing a judgment concerning how we live our lives right now. And when we started this series, we looked at the incorrect thinking that we can have. We can have this incorrect thinking that because I'm saved, because I'm forgiven, Jesus has given me a blank check to do whatever I want to do. But the reality, he hasn't. In fact, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Can we just keep on sinning knowing that God's going to keep showing me grace? And he said, God forbid, no. No, you, you've got a wrong understanding, is what he's saying. You have a wrong understanding concerning the Christian life. And so we look then for the next several weeks, and we're going to finish up today, at what the judgment of God entails. And we saw that God judges us presently by discipline. If we're not doing right, God brings discipline into our lives. He takes us to the woodshed, so to speak. He also disciplines us now by you and I examining our own lives and dealing with ourselves as we should so that we don't have to face the discipline of God right now. But then also, we also saw that the discipline has a future aspect in which we will stand before God and then everything that we have done will be judged. And the sad thing the passage told us in 1 Corinthians is that some will have everything burned up through judgment except for their salvation. They'll have nothing except their salvation. And so the motivation was is that we need to be living for what is coming, not just for now. We're going to finish our series today by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, specifically at verses 9 through 11, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul tell us that because of the future judgment, which he describes, I'll be honest with you, he describes this, the day of terror. He is motivated by that. And he's motivated to do certain things. So I want you to notice with me, we're just going to look at three verses this morning in hopes that all of us will be motivated in our walk with God concerning the judgment that we will once face. Notice with me what he says. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust that we are well known in your consciences. So let's look at a couple of things here that we're going to notice here. First of all, verse 9, we're going to see a proper focus. Paul had a proper focus. You and I need to have a proper focus concerning our Christian life, concerning how we live our lives now, especially in light of the fact that one day we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. 
And so a couple things I want you to see here about what Paul is showing us here. So look with me at verse 9, and I'll show you what those things are. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing with him. The first thing I want you to notice from this verse is, is that a choice must be made about our lives. A choice must be made about our lives. You and I have to make a choice about our lives. Paul made a choice. He made a choice and said, we make it our aim, whether present or absent. He's saying, look, it is my aim whether I am alive on this planet, whether I'm present here with you or absent, that is to be absent from the body and to be with the Lord. We make it our aim to do a certain thing. He made a choice about his life. Listen, when Jesus Christ came into your life and saved you, when Jesus Christ reached down and took you out of the darkness in which you were and brought light into your life and gave you a new lease on life, gave you a new life to live, it's at that moment that you have to make a choice about how you're going to live it. Are you going to continue living it the same old way? The way everyone else does it? The way our culture says to do it? Or are you going to live your life in a manner that God wants you to live it? Paul made a decision. See, you and I have to make a decision. And can I be honest with you? You can say, well, I'm not ready to make that decision. I don't think I'm there yet to commit myself to that kind of thing, George. Well, then that in itself is a decision. See, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Because the second thing we want you to see here is that we must choose to please God with our lives. We must choose to please God with our lives. So you have a choice to make. Now you must choose to please God with your life. Here's what he said. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Who's him? Jesus. The one that saved you. The one who died on the cross. And so you have to make a choice that you're going to live your life in a way that pleases God. See, here's the problem, though. I'll be honest with you. I've shared this with you last week. I'll share it with you again this week. We don't really grasp how serious sin is. We don't. It's something we just excuse away. Oh, well, you know, I'm a redhead, therefore I can be irritable and hot-headed or whatever. You know, i got Irish in me. Or you can be rude and say, well, I'm German. You can choose and make excuses for stuff in your life. But the reality is, is all it's reflecting is, is you don't understand the seriousness of the sin in your life. Well, it's my daddy's fault. He beat me one too many times. No. You don't understand the nature of sin. See, here's the nature of sin. God takes sin so seriously that it results in death. He takes it so seriously that He created the lake of fire, hell, for unrepentant sinners to go to because they would not deal with their sin and go to Him for forgiveness. That's one aspect of the seriousness of sin, is hell. That's how God takes serious God takes it. He takes it serious enough that in order for those who are repentant, He gave His Son Jesus to die the most cruel death ever for anyone to face on the cross. That's how serious sin is. But you and I, we don't take it that way. We flop it off. Oh, it's just my character. Just my personality. It's just my, oh, it's just the way I am. It put Jesus on the cross. It sends men to hell. 
And so we don't really grasp the seriousness of our sin. But Paul says, look, he made a choice. And his choice was, is that he was going to choose to please God with his life. Have you made that choice? Have you made that choice to live in such a way, to maybe do business in such a way, or to work in such a way, to shop in such a way, to interact with people in such a way that is pleasing to God? See, that's the proper focus. That's the focus that you and I need to have. But can I be honest with you? The sad thing is, and I can speak from my own personal experiences, is that we are so focused on ourselves and what we want out of life that we really, the concept of having a focus that I'm going to live my life in such a way that's pleasing to God doesn't even cross our minds. So we keep on existing. The three of us. Me, myself, and I, focused in the wrong area. You say, how do, how do I know if my focus is in the wrong area? Before we move on here, let me just say this. You want to know how you know if your focus is in the wrong area? What are you focusing on right now? Where are your thoughts during the day? Is it about you or is it about others? Is it about what you can get out of life and what you want and what you want to do? That will tell you where your focus is. Does God even enter into your thoughts in the morning when you wake up or... Are you throwing a shoe or something or whatever you can grab at the alarm clock because it's another day and you don't want to start it? Where's your focus? Have a proper focus. And that's what he said, the proper focus. Because why? Verse 10 tells us the reality of the judgment. See, we've stripped that from our theology. Over the last few years now, we've made salvation the catch-all thing for everything. If you just get saved, you can do whatever you want. Jesus will forgive you. No, no problem. But notice what he says here. Verse 10, he says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I had a professor who said, All means all, and that's all all means. All. Notice he uses that plural word, we. We must all. Every single one of us here. You and I are going to stand before a holy God. And listen, can I remind you of something? Don't picture in your mind Jesus walking with a sheep or Jesus knocking on the door that has no handle. Those are the pictures of Jesus we'd like to see. But that's not who Jesus is now. In fact, let me give you a picture of the glorified Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 gives us a picture of who he is. Now, in all of his glory. And when you think about it, you'll understand why Paul describes it later in in a different way. Revelation chapter 1, John says this, And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about his chest with a gold band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like the flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. He had in his hand seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, 
and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And here's how John responded to him when he saw him. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. You and I one day are going to have to stand before the glorified Jesus. And that's an awesome thing. So I want you to notice the reality of it. The reality is, number one, all must appear before Jesus. Every single one of you must appear before the holy God, before Jesus. That's the reality. See, somewhere, somewhere, somehow you've gotten, somebody has communicated to you that once you got saved, that for some reason that that gave you a blank ticket to heaven and you, you know, you might see Jesus, you might not see Jesus. You might not have to answer for anything in your life. It kind of like gave you this blank check that everything's okay now. I can just do what I want to do. But that's not the Word of God. Nowhere does the Bible say that. The Bible says over and over, over and over, that all must appear before Him. All, every single one of us, saved and unsaved, have to appear before the judgment of Christ. Have to appear before Him. We all must appear before Him. And I don't know about you, but that's a frightening thing. You say, what do you mean? I remember as a boy growing up, I was not... I gave my mother quite a bit of grief. That's that's putting it mildly. I was a pain. I'll just say that. And the magic word my mother would say to me, the magic words would be, wait till your dad gets home. Some of you have heard those words. That was a terrifying moment for me. Some of you can relate, right? And it's not that dad was going to, I mean, he was going to discipline me. But it was the fact that I had to answer for my actions. It was terrifying. But that's the reality of it. See, it's the same thing. Jesus isn't going to change in his love. You're not going to be cast out of his family. But the fact of the matter is it's terrifying. And he describes it as the day of terror. Where you and I have to go before him and answer for our lives. I mean, the Bible is so specific as far as what we have to answer. It goes this far and says that you and I have to answer for our idle words. Whoa. I can't even remember what I said yesterday. I'm losing it. Short-term memory is gone. I can remember lots of stuff, facts, theology. But remember short-term stuff? Forget it. But i got to answer for my idle words, too. That's how awesome it's going to be. Terrifying it's going to be. All must appear before Him. And verse 10 tells us this, that you will be rewarded at that time. You will be rewarded at that time. See, it's not an issue of, oh, well, you're going to go to hell now because of the stuff in your life. No, no. For you and I as believers in Jesus Christ who have trusted in Christ, it's not a question of heaven or hell. It's a question of rewards. So you're going to be rewarded at that time. And we talked about that last week, about how God will judge everything and everything will pass through the fire. And you and I will be rewarded at this time. See, it's, it's, it's a terrifying moment, but it's also a moment in which we need to recognize that because of how we live our lives now, we're going to receive a reward based upon that. The stuff that you will have in heaven will be based upon this. This judgment. It will be a time of receiving crowns. It will be a time of receiving a reward. So you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded at this time. But here's what your reward will be based on. 
Here's what your reward will be based on. Your reward will be based on your life. Notice what he says, verse 10. And each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You know what the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy, very last known thing that he wrote, writes this. He knew what he was going to receive. And when he writes this, he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me only, but also to all who love Appearing. See, Paul knew he lived his life in such a way that when he faced death, he knew he was going to be rewarded. Can I tell you something? The most disturbing thing to me about Christians in America is we spend an awful lot of time making sure that we're comfortable in this life. We look for the right jobs that pay us the right amount of money. We save, we do this, we do that, we, we add on to our houses, we do everything we can to, to make our life comfortable here. Because we're, 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 our focus is, and this is where our focus is, our focus is on our life here, right here, right now. On what we have right now. On what we want to have. And we already, I mean, I'll be honest with you, if we were to have an honest moment here, all of us here, including myself, could say, well, you know, this is what I would like to have happen in my life. This is what I would like to see happen in my backyard. Or this is what I'd like to see happen in my house. and Or in this room. Or I'd like to see this kind of car. Or, or I'd like to see this happening at work as far as pay. Or And our whole focus is on now. Can we be honest with each other? Is that not true? Yes. And we will focus our attention on now. And what we want now. But the problem with us is this. If we even gave just a little bit of that effort towards later, your reward might be something even more wonderful than what it's going to be. Because our focus isn't on later, is it? Our focus isn't on pleasing God. Our focus is on pleasing us. But Paul says, one day, i got to stand before Jesus. And he's going to call into account everything into my life and he's going to reward me based upon my life here, whether it was good or bad. But our focus isn't on then, it's on now, isn't it? Isn't it? Shouldn't it be reverse? Shouldn't it be that our lives are lived now in anticipation of what's coming? Shouldn't it be that we live our lives now with anticipation on the one, on where we're going to spend the rest of our lives are? I mean, think about it for a moment. Do you want to consider what eternity is? I mean, maybe we need to think about that and get that in perspective. You want to know what eternity is? Let's take the whole front of this building here for a moment. If your life was the crack in the corner, and the rest of this span is eternity, how much is that crack? You probably can't even see it from where you are. It's there. And that's how, that's where our focus is. Our focus is on the crack when the way we live our lives will basically outline the rest of eternity. What are we living for? The corner? You see my point? 
And our reward will be based upon how we live, and it will affect the rest of eternity. See, we've got to start thinking, thinking in a different way. And so that's what he tells us in verse 11. Let's notice the proper response then. This is the response that you and I need to have. Look with me at verse 11. He says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Here's a couple things. First one is this. Live with an awareness of the judgment. Live with an awareness of the judgment. Can I be honest with you? You need to quit thinking in terms of this. Oh, well, I'm just forgiven. I hate the bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven. I want to get the scraper and just scrape it off of their bumper. Because it reflects a wrong attitude. It reflects an attitude that it's okay for me to do whatever I want to do. I'm forgiven. You know what? Wrong attitude. The attitude we need to have is is that I need to be careful about my life and I need to live my life in such a way because the day of terror is coming. Oh, and I don't need to fear hell. Does everybody understand? I'm not talking about you going to hell here. I'm just talking about that you got to answer. you got to answer. And let's be honest, we get away with a lot of stuff, don't we? Oh, we, we maybe are called into account for a few things in our lives. And that's bad enough just among ourselves and our peers and our family and so forth. But there's a lot of stuff that we, that nobody knows. But the Bible says that everything done in darkness will be brought into light in that day. Every motive will be revealed. Every heart will be exposed. Everything will be brought into account. But we don't live that way. And if the proper response is to live with an awareness of the judgment... Live with an awareness of that. He also says this, the proper response is is that it should motivate us to share Jesus. It should motivate you to share Jesus Christ with others around you. It should motivate you to know that one day you're going to have to stand before Him and give it a judgment that maybe I should be sharing Christ with others so that I can say, Lord, you put me in this work situation with those people and I was the only Christian in that work situation. And you gave me the opportunity to communicate with them and to live my life out before them. And I did it. See, I think every one of us here wants to to live like the Apostle Paul and at the end of our life look back and say, I fought the good fight. I've met very few men who could say that. But I have met them. Don't we want our lives to be that way? It should motivate us to share Jesus. So what are we saying? Three things I want you to consider as we wrap up this series. Number one is this. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? Is it focused on you? Is that where your life is? What you want out of life and what your goals are and and everything. I'll be honest with you. I have a lot, I've had lots of goals in my life. I'll be honest with you. None of them have ever come about. When I left Liberty in 1993, I knew exactly what I was going to do and where I was going to be. Kirkwoodsville was not anywhere on the map of my goals. God had other plans. And He's wiser than me. And so rather than say, well, Lord, I want to do this. It's like, okay, Lord, I understand where you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. It's coming into submission to Him. How, what, what? How are you living your life? Is it totally focused on you? You, 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 you? So I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm focused on me. 
Ask the person next to you. Don't ask them if you don't really want to hear it. Because they'll tell you. How are you living your life? Are you living your life without any thought of the fact that you have to give an account for it one day? Are you living your life with that magic bank card that says the bank of Jesus Christ and so every time you sin you just whip it out and say, here it is, forgiveness, I've got it. I'll draw it off of that account. How are you living your life? And the next question is this. Are you prepared to give an account for it? Are you prepared to give an account for that life then? See, here's the thing. We live, this is, this is the nature of our culture. Have you ever noticed it's nobody's fault? And it sure isn't yours. We live in a culture now in our country where nobody takes responsibility anymore. Nobody takes responsibility. So if you get caught doing something, it's everybody else. It's even the police officer who caught you's fault. But yours. And nobody wants to give an account for anything in this world anymore. Nobody wants to, to own up to responsibility and so that's the way we live our lives. We, we just live our lives, do whatever we want to do. I don't have to answer to anybody. Don't you dare ask me. But the reality is, is are you ready? Because it's coming. It's coming. Are you ready to give an account for your life? Are you ready? Because it comes quicker than you realize. It's interesting. You get, you get, when you get older, you do a lot of introspection. And, and, and just here recently, I took somebody down to Liberty University to look at the campus. And that was a significant thing for me because 20 years ago, somebody took me there to look at the campus. And while they were having a good time, I wasn't. Because the realization was, did 20 years go by like that? Surely not! But yet it did. Time goes quickly, doesn't it? And none of us here knows the days that we have left. You know, that's a very powerful thing that has been brought to my mind here even recently. Just, you know, everybody knows my brother died at 38. He thought he had forever. 38's young, isn't it? But are you ready for the fact that you, you don't have as long as you think and one day you've got to give an account? You've got to give an account. You've got to answer for your life. You're going to have to answer for stuff you can't even remember anymore. But I'll be honest with you, that day you get your memory back. Someone said that's scary. That's why he called it the day of terror. So what am I saying? Here's the final thing. Live for what really matters. Live for what really matters. My wife read this, and I've quoted this to you before. I think it's so wonderful. Nobody, and I'll be honest with you, I've been with a lot of folks who have been ready for the next life. Nobody ever says, I wish I'd spent one more hour at the office. Nobody ever says that. Here's what they say. I wish I had a little bit more time with my loved ones. That's reality. What are you living your life for? You? That's selfishness. 
Live it for others. Because one day you have to give an account for it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.